Hey folks, welcome back to the Traders for a Cause podcast. My guest this week is a very good friend of mine. He happens to be a principal at Centerpoint Securities and a four-year member of the board of directors at Traders for a Cause. I'd like to introduce Mr. Matt Marino. Matt, how's it going? I'm doing great, Zach. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Should we tell them this is our fourth take? <laughs> this is our fourth take. Our fourth take. We're having issues with uh, silencing notifications on our computers, but you know what happens to the best of us, so. Yes. So how's the brokerage business, Matt? The brokerage business has been very busy, as you might guess. Been a crazy year and a half, as it has been for everybody. So traders are busy, brokers are busy. It's been pretty wild. So did, uh, did your brokerage, did Centerpoint break records in 2020 as far as new clients, as far as volume, anything like that? All of it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. All of that. Crazy I mean, to think about, isn't it? It is crazy. It is crazy. You know, people obviously being stuck at home, trying to figure out different ways to make money because it was so, you know, so unfortunate that so many people struggled. Yeah, it was, it's been wild. But yet yeah, traders ultimately, though everyone that I've talked to has done very, very well over the past year. It was a remarkable year. Yes. Yeah. yeah to yes. say the least. To say the least. I've been doing this a long time, just like, you know, some of the traders that you know, that we both know, been doing it a long time and you just, we haven't seen anything like this in our lifetimes. It's a once in a lifetime deal. And uh, yeah, many records have been broken and there's been a lot of money made. It's been incredible. Sure. So the traders are taking advantage of the situation for sure. For sure. There were some serious layups for these people. Yeah, it was incredible. Absolutely. One of my goals of our interview today, just to chat a little bit, is to get a different perspective because, you know, I talk to a lot of traders about their strategy, about how they got their start, about, you know, what's working in the market currently. And we don't really get a broker's perspective very often. So I think it would be really valuable for people to kind of have an idea of what it's like looking in from the other side, especially from somebody with as much experience as you have uh, on the brokerage side. So I guess. My first question is a kind of a softball, but what do you think makes for a good broker when it comes to being a trader? A good broker is someone that you don't know is there, really, you know, is the best answer. I mean, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Center point, we've been doing this for nine years. I've been doing it for over 20. Being a broker that long, you want to give traders the right tools, right? You're trying to give them the right tools to succeed. Obviously, it's up to them to take those tools and work with them to build their own house. And the less that they have to call us or we hear from them, the better. So, you know, being quiet is what makes a good broker, honestly. But being ready, if needed, understanding the urgency, you know, from a trader standpoint, that's the key for us, you know, for is to just be ready. So, because it, it, it's a crazy sport, right? Trading, I mean, I've always said it's a lonely sport. You know, from when I talk to people, I've, I've talked to traders for all these years, talked to thousands of traders. They're lonely, you know, they really are. And it's emotional yeah. and it's, it's scary, it's happy, it's everything. And so to be a good broker, you're just kind of, you're almost like the bartender, <laughs> kind of what you turn into at times. So Right, right. So Do you go. feel that, from Centerpoint's perspective and from your experience working for a brokerage, that that's kind of one of the areas where Centerpoint is a little different than your typical run-of-the-mill TD Ameritrade or E-Trade, that you guys have a little bit more a higher touch relationship with your clients? 
I would definitely like to think so. I just think that we have a tremendous amount of respect for what traders are going through on a daily basis. In that respect, I think, I hope comes through to them when they, when we do have to have contact, you know, again, the, the less contact we have, the better. It means traders are doing good and there's no, everything's smooth sailing, but when they do need us, uh, you know, I'd like to think we're ready and we understand you know, the urgency, right? Cause people call in they're they're excited. You know, if something's going wrong, order's not working, stuck orders. And especially this past year, because you have so many newer traders that don't understand this, this level of technology, let's say in the trading world, you know, they're sure. just used to hitting buttons and, and I've never really traded at any of the big brokers. I'm assuming they have issues too, mm -hmm. but ours can be a little more unique if it's an order that's not going live or it's just something that seems mysterious to a client and they call us and they're panicking, you know, to have, like you said, that high, that the high touch, the, the personal touch to be able to calm them down and deal with what's in front of us and get them straight, you know, so I do, I do hope people think we have that it's something we definitely strive for over the years, for sure. So you mentioned that what makes a good broker is one that is kind of there when you need them, but out of the way, lets you kind of do your thing, lets you trade and, and only comes out when needed. On the flip side of that, what do you think is the biggest impact that a broker can have on a successful trader? Um, I guess the thing I let off with was just being able to give people the right tools to to go to do their job, right? Um, I've heard the analogy that we're trying to give them the right clubs to have in their bag. You know, if, if you're a golfer, right, you got to have the right club to hit the right shot. And we just to to be a good broker to set up clients for success is to to be able to have the full set of clubs they're going to need, whether that be the or the routing you know different choices of routing and, and that can get technical so that's usually taken advantage of more from experienced traders you know the newer traders that's a, a bigger lift in center points case you know we've always catered to that niche locate market the short side being able to have those locates over the years was obviously a, a tremendous tool you know a great club we put in the bag of many traders so i guess that would be the answer is just being able to offer the right things at the right times to, to, to let traders do their job. A lot of the brokerage firms have gone commission-free. Mm -hmm. And I think there are many traders, especially newer traders, that don't really understand you know, the consequences of going commission-free. Can you talk a little bit about how that structure of you know, compensation works and how you know, the, they are essentially uh, making money off of the order flow and, and why there's a difference between that type of uh, arrangement and actually paying per trade? Yeah, I mean, I think that would have been a, even a better question eight months ago when it really first happened because so many traders have already educated themselves to understand the difference. People who came to us and said, are you guys going commission-free because you have to? You know, and for, we said no for your own good right because right. you know you want the best execution right you're trying to save you know five bucks a trade or even 20 bucks a trade depending on your the structure you choose versus the execution if you're if you're trying to trade thousand five thousand shares and the execution's wrong you know there's a couple hundred bucks right there in slippage so again i think i think already 
enough of the general public, even the newer traders understand there is a reason, you know, free isn't free, right? I mean, that's just the way of the world, you know, it's just the way the world works. So, so I guess to answer your question, I think most people have already figured out that it comes down to execution and that's more important than the commission. Sure. Getting a fill versus no fill. and Exactly. Exactly. I guess comparing uh, the Robinhood trader to the Centerpoint trader is probably not a likely comparison. They're not going to be, there's not going to be a whole lot of overlap there. Yeah. I mean, the successful Robinhood traders, you know, that's kind of been our bread and butter over the years. You know, it was kind of the, the clients who started, whether it's Robinhood or E-Trade or TD or, you know, a bigger, bigger box broker, they kind of grow in their techno, you know, their technical approach to trading and kind of promote themselves to a center point or, you know, or any of the direct access type brokers, give them a little more tools and, you know, gives them some more things to work with. So you mentioned routing, you know, obviously you can get very technical talking about routing, but I've noticed that uh, on a lot of the the larger platforms like E-Trade and TD Ameritrade, you really don't have options when it comes to routing. What types of things can you do as a trader with routing that can actually benefit your strategy when it comes to getting good executions or following uh, your particular strategy? Great question. A tricky one to answer only in the sense that routing is so, it can be so technical that it really, you know, I talked to so many people, right? And have talked over the years to so many traders and I guess I'll approach this answer as if I'm talking to a, a new, a newer client calling in, they start going down the routing and they're asking those questions. They tend to just, they want a little bit less options, right? Cause it's for them kind of keep it a little more simple, stupid, right? Just sure. give what's your best one. And we give them that. However, as you're trading for, you know, years, you start understanding. And, and this is what I tell people too, is just, you know, you really, it, it's, it's something you have to, you have to test all the different routes and you should do that. You know, you should not all, but pick a good handful of routes and do tests because some are going to execute different, but it depends on what, what kind of stocks you're trading, when you trade, what time of day, whether it's even pre-market or after hours, there's definitely better routes for those times. The size is the biggest factor. I mean, our biggest clients are using multiple routes to execute their orders because that's going to make sense for them. If you're doing very small size, you're obviously not going to need that type of approach. However, I still think most people should do their own kind of testing. I mean, figure out what fits their style, figure out what fits their style, because they're going to find some that are, they're getting better executions depending on what they're trying to accomplish. You know, everyone has different styles of trading. We all know that. So you definitely want to test that to, to figure it out. You know, you hear so many traders say, you know, some of the guys are so technical and some guys are super simple, even great traders on both sides of that spectrum. So you definitely have to, uh, to get behind the wheel on that one. Understood. Yeah. So from your point of view in, in your 20 years working for a brokerage, what is it that you would say is, uh, you know, the most common characteristic among the most successful traders that last the longest in this business when, when there's so much burnout? It would be that they find themselves, right? Like not to get crazy about it. <laughs> We're going meta here. <laughs> We're definitely going to go deep here, but it is the truth, right? They find what works for them and they just stick with it. They don't vary. You know, they're not always trying to 
find the next thing. You know, they just, they find what is good. And, and I would like to say the best traders stay calm, but that isn't true either. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been on the phone with some very excited, great traders because, you know, uh, for obvious reasons, you know, emotions are going nuts when you're trading, depending on the scenario. But it's the guys who figure out what their mentality likes and absolutely stick with it because it is such a mental game. I mean, it's crazy from our seat to watch the psychology of it. It's kind of like I said, you know, you were kind of the bartender, right? You watch people shimmy up to the bar and you're not sure what you're going to get until you start talking to them. Right. Everyone's, everyone's different, but the guys who are comfortable with their approach to trading, their strategy, and they don't vary, those are the ones who are successful. So you feel that that it's advantageous to specialize in a niche versus trying to be a jack of all trades, essentially, when it comes to, to a trading strategy? I have found that to be the most common characteristic, yes. I mean, once they get so good at it, and you know, and again, we both know many traders who are super great at a niche, and but then they start, they'll, they'll vary out. They get so good at it that then they have the mental capacity to then try another thing or two, but they right. never let that one thing go. I mean, that's right. the bread and butter, right? So it just became second nature, like riding a, a bike or exactly, you know. exactly. They're riding the bike, but then they started learning to juggle. Sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> you want to tell everybody that you know how to juggle? Well, that was, I want to sneak that in there. <laughs> at, at any brokerage firm, unless they, unless they're self clearing, there are multiple clearing firms. Can you discuss the role of clearing firms when it comes to the broker-client relationship and, and how an account is opened? That's another tricky one too. I mean, Centerpoint, we've always, we've had multiple brokers, or I'm sorry, multiple clearing firms over the years, right? And we're called an introducing broker. And I've had to explain that relationship so many times to clients. Because if you just go to an e-trader, one of those, they are the clearing firm, they are the broker, it's all in right. one. You know, we're a la carte, so we've offered all these different tools to clients over the years. It was more advantageous when we started Centerpoint to have all the different clearing firms. And, and most of our bigger clients, let's say, had multiple accounts. But what's been interesting is, again, in the, the short side niche, it's become a much more popular strategy. Right. I mean, again, you and I have been doing this. We've been around this group for a long time. Oh, for sure. And this strategy has gotten bigger and bigger. In the beginning, it was mostly the multiple clearing firms. The advantage it offered to different clients was they had different easy to borrow lists. Right. So you could get, you could save costs and it made sense to have that. That's leveled off a lot more over the years because it's gotten to be such a more popular strategy. Right. Um, so we're actually finding that people are consolidating more nowadays and simplifying because there's enough balls in the air when you're trading anyway. So I don't know if I answered the question exactly, but. Now, is there any uh, advantage to, to having accounts of multiple clearing firms when it comes to margin requirements or is that, is that irrelevant? No, that's true. Yeah, it does there too. It, it can certainly different firms have different requirements, but again, especially of late, like GME, right? I mean, that kind of blew up everything. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got, you know, something 
client, you know, traders don't necessarily know that the brokers and the clearing firms, they have requirements too. And a lot of people learn that through the GME and Robinhood experience, right? That the regulators have requirements that all the firms have to have enough capital to have on hand for, for the stocks that all their clientele is holding. Sure. Um, so most of these firms risk departments are elevating their requirements you know whether one's a little slower than the other one kind of like the easy to borrow list we're finding that they're all hitting certain levels together now so that there was a bigger discrepancy before and you know it's it's we're in a you know it's always evolving right so is it it's interesting it's been interesting to watch all these changes and GameStop itself prompted a lot, you know, just in the past six weeks or whatever it was. So, was well, it, I mean, I can imagine if you had, if you had accounts at multiple clearing firms and you were, you know, carrying large positions, then it could be quite irritating if you got a maintenance call in one of them and weren't able to trade. If, if all your eggs were in one basket, you wouldn't have the ability to, to continue. And if that's your business, you know, you might want to have, a backup plan because they're you know you can kind of get your hands tied temporarily. No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But uh, again, more more clients are actually simplifying their own baskets and just learning to play within the rules more. You know, right. <laughs> uh, you know, no one loves rules, but they're there. You know, we all got to deal with them. Sure. Unfortunately, we're the ones who get to pass down the bad news. <laughs> But it is what it is. Some but of the best you're, you're, You are right. I mean, that's been the strategy for years. But it, it's there is an interesting little you know change going on right now. Some so. of the best traders that I know, uh, they they set their own rules and they're essentially set to be broken. Just, yeah. you know, like, this is a great rule to have until I see something that I just can't resist, and I'm going to go ahead and break my own rule. And then I'm all in. <laughs> and I'm all in exactly. Exactly. So. Talk to me about something that's happened over the years that would just something that you've learned about this business that would shock traders to hear. Like just something, give me, give me an Easter egg. Gosh, I don't know that I have a great one that would shock traders. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. That's <laughs> really, I thought everything I read on the internet is true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some shocking things on the internet that, uh, <laughs> I mean, we've had people call us and ask us to verify something they've read on the internet. Can you verify you this? Yeah. It's like, well, here's a shocker. No, <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about anything like that. You, you know, you know, there's things that we have to do as brokers that might, I don't know if it's shocking, but you know, regulators, right. We're, we have to deal with regulators, right? So clients have to deal with the broker. Brokers have to deal with the regulators that's the food chain right sure and we get a lot of letters from regulators where inquiries that you have to answer a bunch of questions and sometimes you know it, it gets very you know the information gets very detailed down to a particular trade so there's clients that we have to research a trade that a client has done the execution what you know all the details and pass the information along and that's going on behind the scenes about clients that have no idea that's going on they may not have done anything wrong, but the way that particular execution flagged something somewhere in the system, you know, their information got passed all the way up. And uh, it would probably surprise clients to know that ever happens, you know, and it could happen to them. But What would trigger something like that? 
there's different just the way an execution might go off it might look as though they're they're trying to manipulate the market somehow oh, okay right whether they're trying to cross a trade if you know i don't i don't want to give away any dirt bad things people can do but obviously you know you can manipulate markets in certain ways sure. so sometimes a particular execution might look like that's happening it may not be it usually isn't sometimes it is you know we've certainly had to flag some things that were not kosher were not good right um, but you know those are some things that go on behind the scenes you know that we're constantly it's it's part of our job that we're always doing that obviously traders don't need to worry about that's not their job you know their job is to just trade when you look at a lot of the new clients uh, well first of all i mean what percentage of your clients would you say center points clients are new traders versus seasoned veterans over the past year, the percentage is definitely skewed. <laughs> skewed high, of course. Skewed high, exactly. That's a good question. Probably 75% newer. I mean, what's new, right? I mean, sure. trading six months, a year, three years versus the guys who've been trading for 15, you know, 10 to 20. You know what right. I mean? That's right. a, we definitely have a lot of clients who've been doing this a long time. But over this past year, it's it's, again, the numbers have skewed themselves, which we all understand why. So from your perspective with these new, newish traders, what do you see as some of the most common mistakes, you know, and you guys kind of like have a peek behind the curtain. What, what do new traders do that they need to work on to, to, in order to make it last in this business? Again, if I'm talking to a new, somebody who calls in and is new, the two biggest mistakes I think a new trader makes, I'll start with these two. A, they don't get familiar enough with the platform before they start hitting buttons, right? So they, they get all excited to start trading, think they're going to make all this money that they read about on Twitter before they actually learn how to use the tools. So they right. need to spend some time really get familiar with the tools. Um, and mechanics, then the, next, the mechanics, exactly. Right. And then the, the next one, which is, which is super common, is just over trading, right? You, they don't, you know, they don't understand that, you know, not trading is a trade. Right. And they just keep hitting buttons because they're just chasing and they just think once I get in the right time, it's going to be the right time. And then at the end of the day, they've done way more trading than they thought. Their fees are way too high. They call and say, I can't believe why are my fees is high. And I, you know, I can look at it and quickly identify what the problem was. And, you know, I often tell people, it's like, look, I don't do not want you trading that much because you're not going to last. You know, it's not going to be good for anybody. So over trading, if I was going to super simplify the answer is the top, not being familiar enough with the tools before they start putting on size. Like, you know, again, I'll tell people trade with hundred shares for a week, just so you truly understand how to use the routes, how to use the, you know, all the functionality, all the mechanics, like you said, I mean, I got a, about, I don't know if this was 10, 12 years ago, I had a guy call in asking a ton of questions, newbie questions, perfectly fine. But he was super confident, crazy overconfident, but had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> and this is, you know, I mean, you and I know each other well enough that I'm not always shy. You know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be blunt when it needs to be. Sure. And I literally told this guy, I said, he was going to send 30 grand in, start his account. And he was going to take over the world. I told him, I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you send me 10 grand and I'll save you 20. And I can't goes, even picture you saying that to somebody. That's amazing. And, and he goes, what? And I said, you are not ready to do this. And, and I honestly, you have to put in way more time than, than you think. 
and and he never called back and i'm sure he went somewhere else and i i i can not believe that he did those words didn't ring in his ears because he lost money it was just not ready i read somebody said that when you're a when you're a beginner trader that it's actually not good to have your account funded outside the pattern day trader rule like it's better to have a smaller account that limits actually what you can do until you're more comfortable and and you know better at it that having the ability to trade as much as you want is not necessarily a good thing right starting with five grand versus 30. exactly exactly well if you're trying to be a day trader that's impossible yeah it makes it hard yeah, so if if you try and fund with if you try to be a day trader and fund with twenty five grand, that's virtually impossible because you're you're not going to make money your first trade. We we you know we required fifty when we started because I think that's the accurate number because there you're going to lose some money. You know, even thirty isn't really enough to give someone a, a buffer to learn the mechanics, the the trick, you know, the, just the tools how to how to do this. It's a hard job. It's doable. Again, I've been doing this long enough that when people say, you know, day trading is just gambling. No, it's not. Not at all. And neither is gambling if you're good at it. If you've actually <laughs> right, put in the right. if if you put in the time to, you know, become a good card player, you know, which you could call gambling, but you understand the mechanics and you you approach it professionally. That's not gambling. Going into any business is a gamble. If you don't know what you're doing, it's a dumb gamble. But to answer your question, I would disagree. I would think Honestly, you need a little more money to have a buffer because when you're right on that cusp, it just messes with your head. You know, when you have 30 grand and you lose five the first day, now you're totally panic button. You're hitting the buttons. You're losing more because you're trying to make it back. You know, you're fighting the market, the classic scenario, because it's just so mental. So I actually think a little more buffer is better, but that's also why I would recommend if you're starting, you have the buffer, but you trade small and you, you scale up or size up as you get consistent. Sure, limit, limit your risk, trade small, makes sense. Correct. Correct, but you don't, but again, I wouldn't, starting with five grand, you're never gonna day trade, right? So it's a whole different sport. You know, now you're, now you're swing trading, which is perfectly fine and great strategy for many people, but it's different, so. So you said that you've been doing this for 20 years. Um, yeah. What? How do you feel it's changed over the past, say, decade? How has trading changed? Well, I think it's gotten a lot more professional from a broader scope. When I started, it was in literally 99, right? The tech boom, right? So bubble years ago. And then it was, you know, there was a lot of gambling going on at that point, right? And then I've been doing it ever since. So I've seen everything between. And there was a big period in between where most of my clients, they didn't have many resources. So in the past 10 years, you know, there were message boards and stuff, but the past 10 years, the, the explosion of content, chat rooms, communities that traders can get into and learn from each other and lean on each other, I think has changed it to where there is a lot more of a professional approach now from a beginner who, who is taking it serious, you know, in, you know, seeking out those resources, seeking out those tools, because there's so many now for them to learn from. It's, it's been an interesting change. And it, it's, again, if I'm talking to someone who's, who I know is a beginner, and they're not part of a community of some sort, or 
I, I tell them that's the first thing I would recommend. And I don't recommend much as the broker on, you know, as a, a direct access broker like I am, but getting a support system behind you and learning that way has been something that I've seen has been a complete game changer for, for beginners. Do you think that that saturation has created a, a, an environment where it's more difficult to find an edge? Do you think that could be a, a consequence? Well, I mean, I guess you, I, maybe I would have thought that two years ago and then last year happened. <laughs> and then so many people made money who, who had just at least enough knowledge to take advantage of what was set up in front of them. You know what I mean? Which totally blew that theory out of the water. I mean, <laughs> you know, like any, like, no, <laughs> is the answer. There's just enough sloshing around in the markets all the time, right? That there, you can get in there and, and figure out how to take some out if, if you approach it correctly. So, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you're not viewing it as like a zero sum dog eat dog. You think that there's there's plenty of pie to go around. Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's just so much. There really is so much money in the world that yes, because again, enough people don't approach it. You know, don't want to put in the hard work. They're the ones who are going to feed the guys who do. You know, I mean, it, it goes with in any business and any, any, any business, anything, anybody ever does. The guys who really want to work hard and, and get good at it are going to prosper. So in your experience from, from the traders that you've watched come up, how long has it typically taken them to become profitable if they do become profitable? Good question. Um, if you can tread water for a year and put in the effort, you can, I think that's kind of a cutoff point. If beyond that first year, you're not actually making money, but you're still treading water, you are likely going to always tread water. It's kind of a ob loose observation that I have. Okay. If after that first 12 to 16 or 18 months, right, that first year, year and a half, you've kind of treaded water, but then are getting comfortable with your wins versus losses, because it takes about that amount of time, right? You're always going to have, you know, profiting loss, right? I mean, even the best traders lose money, of right? Course. Everybody, but having the mentality to be able to throw away the losses, zero in on what made the winners winners. It's, it takes in my, again, observation that year to year and a half, 12 to 18 months, if you get over that hump and you're starting to make money consistently, I would say you've got a, a good chance of making a, making a career, you know, out of, out of being a trader. But I've seen guys get stuck treading water for years, but they just can't give up the dream, you know, and that's fair. Everybody's heard that old, uh, that old adage that 90% of traders fail in the first year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that goes along with any business. Isn't that the same adage for every business, right? Most new businesses fail. I mean, that's any business. It's Perhaps. You know, so. it's much softer to say that 90% of traders are still treading water after a year. Yeah. <laughs> as a well, most... no, 90, 90 percent are still treading water. <laughs> I, I've seen that too. There's an interesting perspective from the brokerage side where you can see traders, you know, from, from all walks, some that are maybe trading against each other. Does that put you in like an awkward situation when you see 
one client taking the opposite position of another client and and you're kind of like stuck in the middle or do you just kind of just have to turn away and not even think about it yes <laughs> <laughs> both it's it's a very interesting vantage point that's for that's for sure that is for sure and you've we've we've seen dramatic instances where it's obvious sure one is on one side the other and then there's a million obviously blurred gray lines in between but but we've definitely we have seen it it is interesting to watch you know and it's things can turn real quick too right one guy's on the winning side one second and <laughs> five minutes later you know and some news came out and now you're on the other side so yeah yeah, yeah. there's a common misconception i think uh among among many traders of course you know, we've all heard people with their horror stories surrounding their their brokerage firms. Obviously, Centerpoint is one of the good guys, in my humble opinion. But a common misconception, I think, is that the, the broker doesn't care whether the trader wins or loses because they're getting their commission either way. Yeah. Can, you, can you completely dispel that and, and, you know, throw out the truth? Well, I mean, it goes back to what I said to a new trader. I don't I don't want you over trading just to generate commissions because you're not going to make it right. So, and, and, and I appreciate you bringing that up because one thing traders don't understand. And, and I completely, like I said, in the beginning as well, respect how hard it is to be a trader and the emotion that goes into it. People, clients don't always understand that it's emotional on our side too, even to watch. I mean, watching accounts blow up is horrible. I mean, it's sad, you know, and I've talked to the guys after they've lost their money, you know, and are and heard the personal stories about how it's going to impact them. And that is a, that's brutal. It's, a it's brutal. I mean, it is horrible. It is so brutal. I mean, I, I would prefer the client who, you know, finds their niche, you know, maybe they don't generate billions of dollars in commissions, but if they're winning and they're still trading, that means we're winning because they're still trading. <laughs> right, right right so i mean I, I definitely want everyone winning you know that's the the goal in our business is that it's a win-win you know because that means you are making money which keeps you in the game which means we're making money because you're still in the game right. so yeah as far as the not care part it would people would be surprised to sit on this side and, and understand how emotional it can be just to to watch you know and to be a part of it again i'll go back to the bartender analogy you hear some sad stories you know, it's, it's rough. Like it's, it's no fun. You know, I definitely don't like that part of it. It's been All right. So I'm making a note here that if I wanted to become a broker, it's best to be a sociopath. Is that what you're saying? Like to just hundred percent, hundred percent. I wish I was. <laughs> so you have to think about that. So Matt, uh, you've been on the board of directors at Traders for a Cause for four years, and uh, we've been working close together, uh, putting together Traders for a Cause events and everything. And uh, yeah. it's it's been an amazing journey. And uh, I want to obviously thank you for everything that you've done for us, and you know for for being a part of the organization. And yeah, tremendous honor. Yeah, I mean, uh, what are your what are your feelings on uh, when we're going to get back to Vegas? I, I, I got people begging. I mean, like, they want to go back this year. I just, I'm like, it's just a little risky. I know. I just, again, you know, people don't really understand what goes on behind the scenes that, you know, you're doing. <laughs> of course. In, in the commitments that the, the 
the charity has to put up in order to put these events on, you know, even monetarily. So I know we had this conversation and I agree hundred percent that I would think this year is going to be just too soon. I I would definitely think 22 fall of 22. We're all in fall of 21. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's made, it's made complicated too, by the fact that we broke our fundraising records in 2020 going completely virtual and, you know, obviously in the virtual space, we have very low overhead. So it's, it's, uh, it's making it even more clear that the importance of Vegas is not only to raise money, but it's to just get together. And I think that's what we've learned in talking with everybody. They just, there's, everybody is just so excited to be together again and to, break bread and when i talk to guys who say you know i've always wanted to go i just can't afford it or whatever it's like yes you can and i don't think you can afford not to go (laughs) because it is so stinking awesome i mean that environment is just so positive and so beneficial in so many ways i mean like i said trading is the most lonely sport i think almost ever i mean it to go through all that emotion sitting behind computer screens by yourself is is hard and to be able to get out and share that humanly with people who understand completely how that is it's just the best long weekend ever for people it is amazing i mean i i got involved right i mean centerpoint's been a sponsor since the beginning obviously we know the founders and that was centerpoint was tied into that as well of, 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 of creators for a cause but I would come home every year and just tell my family what an amazing environment it was, you know, and how excited I was. And then when I got a chance to join the board, just up that level, but man, people have to go, but I, and I know people are begging this year, but I just, I just think it's too soon to commit. And and I agree with you too, as far as the money we raised online was amazing. And I think, you know, we're just going to have to do the figure out how to do both. Right. Virtually. An incredible, an incredible number of of new followers too. People that didn't even know we existed and and now right. attended our virtual events and and I hope they're enjoying them and I hope they're enjoying the podcast and yeah, um, you know we're going to continue our outreach and and I said this to Nate I think you know when we end up going back to Vegas we might be looking at a bigger audience because I think more people know about us now. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree, and, and not everyone can make it right. People have commitments, so I understand you obviously physically can't make it, but at least, at least like you said, the awareness is higher, you know, grow the community of, of traders for a cause. And, you know, I think, it'll, I think it benefits so many people and so much stuff. And it's been awesome to raise money for these charities over the years. And just so cool. And thank awesome. you. Thank you for your work. Obviously. It's my pleasure. I enjoy uh, every minute of what I do for this organization. It, it's uh, especially the, the Vegas event and, and the conferences are, are uh, somewhat of my baby. So uh, I, I feel yeah. like the, the need to nurture them and to, to continue to build them and make them better and better every time we meet. And I, and I hope that we've successfully done that in most people's eyes. So um, are we going to call it, what would it be if we miss Vegas this year, are we going to call it what church for cause nine next year? If it's in 22, would that be nine? I think it's, weren't we seven? Eight? Last year was seven. So 20, yeah. 2020 was number seven. This yeah. would be eight. I guess it would be the ninth annual. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Your baby's getting big. My baby's, <laughs> grown, my baby's all grown up. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Well, Matt, I want to thank you again for uh, being with uh, me today and, and for being a part of the podcast. Uh, it's, it's always a, always a pleasure chatting with you. And we do, we do chat a lot, typically not uh, in front of a camera. So uh, it was kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. If, if people have questions that uh, we didn't answer, or we didn't cover today, you can certainly uh, shoot the charity an email, info at traitorsforacause.org. And I can certainly relay those questions over to Matt, who will get back to you uh, with uh, any information that uh, that you might want. And uh, I guess that's it. So uh, until next time, I want to thank you all for joining us. And in the meantime, trade, profit, and make a difference. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Zach.